what it teaches is that two opposites can coexist. And so, and also it teaches you how to be more mindful and how to regulate your emotions a bit more. So what I learned is that the main, the main point in DBT, when you're ever in a situation with another person or with yourself, you have a judgment that comes across. So it's like, for example, I'm at work and I, in my mind, I think I'm a horrible employee. What you want to do is to check the facts. Are there any supporting evidences that support this thought that you have? And for the most part, it's no. Is that a supporting evidence to making you a horrible employee? Well, no, because breaking plates or dropping glasses is a common thing that happens to everyone in a restaurant, even you know the best person on the job. Therefore, I'm not a horrible employee. It's a judgment and a limiting belief that I'm having. Welcome to the Empower, Create, Encourage podcast. You're here with me, Alessandra Guerra. <laughs> Hi, welcome. Today, I'm going to interview the talented and tenacious Marie Morales. I'm so excited to have her on the podcast. I'm excited to learn from her expertise and journey with healing from trauma and finding herself after a relationship. Marie, I'm so excited to connect with you today and to learn from you. Thank you so much for coming on. Of course, it's good to be here. Right now in the world, there are many people coming together and it's beautiful to see this unity. And right now in the world, there's also a lot of uncertainty, fear and confusion. And we're all experiencing collective trauma. What are some ways trauma can manifest itself in our bodies? With trauma, it can, obviously, it can manifest many ways in your body. So, and for people that are very new to this, it's very hard for them to tell. So, what I do is kind of uh, is a quick body scan. So you have your hand in front of your body and you say, like you start from your stomach and you leave your hand there for a minute and kind of just like get a sense of what's going on. And you slowly move up. So to your chest, to your neck, um, to your head and just kind of see what's going on. And when you are aware of that, um, think about the emotion that's tied to it and when you become more aware of what your body is feeling and how you're feeling emotionally um, you become more mindful and it becomes easier to deal with better whatever situation you're currently having trauma is a very hard thing for people to cope with and because mm -hmm. there's fear and uncertainty in the world it can kind of serve as a trigger and allow people to relapse into addiction to relapse mm -hmm. into this reverse trauma progression. So what tools help you personally to heal your trauma? For me, it's, um, I kind of sit down with myself and it's kind of like a, a conference with, yeah, it's a, it's a little like conference with myself. So um, with what I'm, I kind of sit down and I say, what am I, what am I feeling right now? And what's the reason behind it? And with like what memories are associated that I'm thinking about right now are hurting me. And what are some judgments that I may have that are giving me limiting beliefs? And then when I acknowledge those, 
I say, okay, so what can I, Mari, do to come out of this and move forward? So um, for me, it would be journaling, a lot of getting lost in artistic and creative work. I do a lot of writing, um, like poetry and stories, as well as like playing instruments. I started playing ukulele and guitar. Um, and then I've started getting back into art again. And so um, I always highly suggest that you have some sort of outlet that you can do to kind of help you soothe um, whatever intense feelings that you may have. Um, if you don't really, it's uh, grounding and centering is very good where you focus and meditate a bit more. Um, for me, it's like I'm sitting on the ground, my eyes are closed, I'm focusing on my breathing, and I imagine that like, roots are coming out of my body and that they're planting into the ground, and then they kind of keep going further deep into the earth. And having that visualization helps me uh, calm down quite a bit. And then another thing I do would be self-soothing. Uh, so for me, it would be for touch. So I would feel something soft or very smooth and I would focus on that for a while and be mindful of it um, and then keep doing that after time and then with all of those I that's what's really been helping me get through these past few weeks so the things that you're talking about is healthy tools for emotion regulation yes absolutely so for you what is it really that helps you identify whether something's a limiting belief because that's something you mentioned so what i have um i've been through uh dbt which is uh dialectical behavior therapy and so what it teaches is that two opposites can coexist and so and also it teaches you how to be more mindful and how to regulate your emotions a bit more so what I learned is that the main, the main point in DBT, when you're ever in a situation with another person or with yourself um, and you have a judgment that comes across. So it's like, for example, I'm at work and I, in my mind, I think I'm a horrible employee. What you want to do is to check the facts. Are there any supporting evidences that support this thought that you have and for the most part, it's no. And so, okay, like, like, is there a fact, for example, sorry, continuing with the example, um, I just broke a plate. I'm a horrible employee. Um, does that necessarily, is that a fact that makes, is that a supporting evidence to make me a horrible employee? Well, no, because breaking plates or dropping glasses is a common thing that happens to everyone in a restaurant, even, you know, the best person on the job so is so therefore i'm not a horrible employee it's a judgment and a limiting belief that i'm having <laughs> i like that because i think it's yeah. so easy at least for me i think there when i make a mistake or something or even when i'm in like public outings i'm like oh this is so obvious that this is not how this is supposed to go and the only one that really knows that is the person in your head so you me mm -hmm. really so how important do you think self-talk is in emotion regulation? 
Oh, it's absolutely like vital to me. Um, so I have borderline personality disorder, which is um, which is basically essentially it's emotion regulation disorder and um, emotional de developmental disorder. So it happens um, when most most of the time it happens when our upbringing or environment as a child um, was limited us to um, regulate our emotions normally like you know an average person and it carries on into adulthood and when we can't regulate so it's okay to you know have a tantrum when you're two years old but having a tantrum at 21 years old it's a little it's not exactly okay <laughs> um, <laughs> to, to put it in to put it in layman's terms it's not it's not okay <laughs> um, <laughs> Yeah, I can imagine seeing a 21-year-old throw a tantrum because they're out of their favorite chocolate yeah. bar at this grocery store wouldn't exactly be something that people are like, what? Yeah, exactly. So what do you say to yourself? Because so I, I'm working a lot on building and strengthening my relationship with myself, the way that I treat myself, the way I build trust with myself, the way that I show myself love and respect what are some things that you do to improve your relationship with yourself? How do you talk to yourself? For me, it's just like an outward conversation when I'm just like sitting down, I'm alone in my room. Um, sometimes I'll just like look right at the mirror and kind of play good cop and bad cop with myself. So for example, I would be like, hey, like this thing happened and I'm upset about it. And I feel like it's all like, or this thing happened, we're upset, it's all your fault. And then I'll switch around and say, okay, well, no, I don't think it's our fault. Um, there's other situations or other plausible things that happened that kind of makes that not true. Um, and then just constant talking to myself, like I get the habit of, of stopping myself and I get very judgmental. So when I say, oh, I'm lame, I'm suck, I'm ugly, I say, no, we're a pretty cool person. We do all these cool creative things um, and as well and like all these other supportive facts to, um, to, ex to explain that we're not as bad as we really think we are. You know, I actually liked it a lot. So the good cop, bad cop, if I'm understanding correctly, it kind of allows you to process all the negative emotions that you're feeling and saying, yes, like you're bad. You're, just everything that you're feeling that's negative, you get to say it out loud, invent it and process it. And then you get to rationally yeah. be the good cop and say, well, actually, that's not actually right because let's look at this evidence. Is that what I'm understanding? Yeah, that's exactly it. I like that a lot. <laughs> it's it's different than, than anything I've tried, but I'm willing to try it. I'm very open to it. Something that I wanted to share with you and ask your advice is in a recent episode, I share how I had been in a relationship that had parts that were amazing, romantic, kind, generous, funny, and parts that were a little bit scary and cruel. What advice do you have for people that are healing from those kinds of relationships? Oh man, well, for me, I went through something very similar. Uh, I got into a relationship at the age of, uh, at the very ripe age of 14. Um, 
and he was 16 at the time and we were together for about uh four years I think so until I graduated high school and so it was a very looking back on it it was a very toxic relationship I um I in some cases I was very it was very new to me and so I was so anxious um and kind of worry about what to do, what to do. Um, we both had our vices and um, what happened is that we kind of, in a sense, enabled each other as well as were bad to each other equally. Well, I mean, that's maybe not equally, but um, we weren't the greatest to each other at times. And there was times that it was really great and, and amazing and so so romantic and I still think about those moments today but and uh, we're no longer together uh, I stopped talking to him about a year ago and in that year it took me so much strength to be able to get through it and it was not easy at all I at first when it first happened um, I, I was I didn't couldn't get out of bed I, I didn't eat that much. Um, and then in the months after that, I felt like I had this hole in my heart and that I wasn't worthy of love or receiving it um, from anyone. And my attempts to move on weren't exactly the best ways to move on. So I quickly jumped into having feelings for other guys and I would constantly um, pursue the next guy that was nice to me. And what happened was that I would get rejected and I would take it really, really hard. But after all that, I realized that when I finally realized it was the wrong way to kind of move on from such an intense and heavy relationship, what I did was try to, as cheesy as it sounds, focus more on myself. Um, I journaled, I took, I started taking the path to self-discovery um, and just looking back and analyzing what the relationship was and what happened in it um, and process the things that weren't good that I kind of swept underneath the rug. And what a very important part is to, if you leave such a really bad or toxic relationship is to start talking to people about it um my family knew my my boyfriend at the time um but they yeah. had no idea what was going on and um once i cut ties with him i started telling my family what happened um and they're like um and it was a big shock to them about certain events and things that he did and his behavior towards me um and how he treated me and things he said and they would say, Mari, like, this isn't, like, this isn't healthy. Like, this is, like, manipulative. This is borderline abusive. Um, like, why, how could you have gone through such a thing? And, like, why didn't you tell us? Because if you told us, if you came to us and told us earlier, you would have been, like, we would have told you to stop talking to him and just cut things off early. But it what happened was that I was so scared to tell them because I didn't want them to break us up when we were together. I was a teenager. Um, but now talking to my family, I feel a lot more comfortable about 
talking about what happened and they do help me um, heal and they kind of remind me that hey this wasn't it wasn't right he didn't treat you properly he um it wasn't yes he loved you however he it still wasn't enough to kind of cover all the bad things he did and it helps keep me in check because there's times where I miss him so much and there's times where I reconsider everything or I think if I did this maybe we would still be together or if I did that um, we wouldn't have fought so much or maybe if I was just like better in this way or that way um, well it's really not the case whatever I could have done the outcome would have still been the same he I wouldn't whatever I would do or would have done um, wouldn't really matter well because it's his vices that he needs to deal with and it's his vices that he needs to fix and I couldn't and I can't fix that for him and it took me a long time to understand that and then I reflected on my own vices all right these are the things that I have let's work on them and because and I haven't done that since until recently because I was so invested in him that and I loved him so much and I wanted to fix him so badly because of all the things he was doing I ended up losing myself I felt like I was melded into I was melded into him that I became a part of him and I was no longer myself as an individual and when I cut him off um, completely last year I was so lost I I I didn't know who he was my um, when you have BPD or borderline personality disorder you already have a very weak sense of identity and when I cut him off it just intensified and I had no idea what to do and it took me so much time to recuperate and you know come back to a set point um where I hit a, a baseline where I was okay so for someone who's coming out of such a relationship it's is it's very it's very cliche but it does take a lot of time um me uh, like me the mari one year ago wouldn't have imagined the mari that i am today i never thought i would even get to this point and recently i read my my older journal entries of when it was all happening and seeing I just rereading what I wrote and seeing how depressed and lost I was it was heartbreaking however after reading it it made me realize that I conquered over so much and so again I'll reiterate that it does take a lot of time again I also would recommend a lot of journaling a lot of time and thinking to yourself um, and pick up new things, pick up things that you love. If you have passions that you may have lost or forgotten about before or during the relationship and just 
try and pick them up again words um and just kind of get lost in certain activities or crafts or things like that and definitely document everything that's going on and continue to be more aware of how you feel and if you have those nights where you're missing that person also remember like it's it is good to remember the nice and kind and beautiful romantic moments but you also need to be aware of the things that didn't go well and the things that were hurtful and the things that were the reasons why it had to end as i listen to you speak i totally remember being in those repetitive patterns of oh i need to fix him i need to fix him and getting lost in those needs and forgetting my own and i totally agree with the fact that i think sometimes i've romanticized the past and i didn't see things as they really were like i remembered the highs and i was like oh my gosh they were amazing they set this great standard and i didn't fully have my eyes open to the other stuff that didn't really set a standard so what boundaries did you have to set in place to find yourself again and rediscover your identity again outside of that relationship if you are in contact with that person i recommend you stop it and you just cut ties completely um because what happened was that we broke up after i graduated but we still talked and kind of held on to each other for like about a year and a bit afterwards and so it was in a very it's complicated situation which was not healthy at all and it just made things even worse for the both of us um so severing that tie and putting that boundary there of not of using the no contact rule um is very important it was the first thing for the first boundary that i recommend people do put up the next one is as reluctant as i was and i didn't exactly follow it all the time because i was so desperate to um pursue people um, initially is to just take a step back and just do a dating fast and not, um, yeah, not go on dates, not pursue people. Having feelings is very natural. Um, that's not something you can stop. However, I don't think, um, I personally wouldn't, even now, I don't think I would be in there any intimate or really intense relationship in the moment or for a while until I come to the realization or come to a point where I feel like it's okay to or um, that I feel healthy enough to or stable enough to and I still don't know when or what that feeling is like because I'm still in the process of doing it but now that I'm sitting back and I'm no longer pursuing people at the moment um I feel it's a lot better for me and so not being so because I get very obsessed with people and if I when I when I get a crush they get very intense um (laughs) so me not uh, me not being like me not being obsessed with someone and constantly thinking about them and checking in on them um because that's another way you can lose yourself um and just kind of dialing back and in, in the end, 
uh, focusing on you is what's really important, what really matters. I think the biggest way to stay out of touch with myself and with the relationship with myself and the identity of myself is to stop listening and recognizing my own needs, is to abandon myself and say, hey, I'm going to focus on someone else's needs. And whatever it is that you need, it doesn't matter. Let's suppress that for now. And I remember I was stuck in that pattern for a while. And it wasn't until therapy where I realized, oh, I need to love myself because I'm craving, the love that I'm craving is me, my own love. The acceptance that I'm craving is my own acceptance. And the neglect and the abandonment that I was resenting was not anybody else's, but it was my own. And I think identifying that was a big turning point for me in my healing process and something that finally allowed me to release what I was holding on to and let that go and be able to turn the page. For you, Mari, what's something that you've empowered yourself to do that has improved the quality of your life? Is to just go back to the basics. So go to bed early on time, wake up at a decent time and get enough sleep. Um, shower obviously and if you are if you're too depressed to take a shower um even just like getting a towel and wetting it and just like rubbing it on your body that's and that would be good enough for the day um always take baby steps just um it's honestly really the little things that count for me personally um is what got me to where I am now is just constantly doing the tiny things that um and that's taking care of myself like brushing my teeth at night um and even and and then move on to bigger things like cleaning my room and organizing my desk um to have a better headspace i like that a lot so what's something that you would like to empower other people to do to improve the quality of their life find a passion because having a passion for something and spending hours in it and working so hard on it is so so very rewarding um and instead of finding love in a person you find love in writing art wood burning um clay making or clay sculpting singing dancing creating music um or you know even the biggest or the most like tiniest little hobbies that you can find and really enjoying and just getting lost in those activities rather than getting lost in the person but when I say get lost in activity it's a lot different than getting lost in a person's in what I find is a lot more positive when you are doing a hobby or an activity or an outlet I fully agree with you because when you're doing, at least for me, when I've been doing those activities or hobbies, it's a way that I can find myself in those activities. What part of this activity do I like? What part does not resonate with me? And it kind of just builds my own identity. So I fully agree with you there. So Mari, for the people listening to your voice today, what are some words of encouragement you would give to people who are reluctant to explore or find their passion? One, it can be really hard. Um, I've met, I've talked to people where they are like, oh, I don't have any talents or I don't 
have any passions or anything like that. I'm not creative. I can't do this. I can't do that. Um, and like, if I tried this, but I suck at it. Um, and that was me initially with writing. Like, oh, this is, I am not that great at it. Like, I, um, I suck. My words aren't great. Even now, when I look back at my older poems, I'm like, oh, oh, no, I don't like that. But um, start, I would say, make a list of things that you do every day or like certain qualities or traits that you have and see if you can implement those things into something else or even just go off on a limb and try something new that you wouldn't have done before something out of the box um, even just trying um is great it's it's amazing even just it's a lot better to say that you know i tried sculpting things with clay and it, i don't like it or it didn't work out but in in the end it's a lot better than saying oh well i don't have any passions and i'm not gonna try anything at all um and then you know constantly explore and go out and try these things and for sure eventually you will find something that really sticks with you and that you'll really really love you know I really really appreciate your poems I think they're so good I have a couple that are my favorites <laughs> so yes I love that explore and try it at least I believe that we're all empowered to create the life the love the reality and the world we want this is a big message in my podcast. My biggest dream is that people are able to hear that and realize that, yes, I am empowered to do those things. So my last question for you today is, what is a reality that you want to create in your life? The reality that I want to create in my life. Um, let's see. Honestly, the first thing I think of is just feeling true joy and true happiness because um, going through my teen years um, with a mental illness that I wasn't even aware of at the time and with a really bad relationship, it was very hard for me to feel joy. But so now I kind of constantly seek for them and in good ways, in, in healthier ways now, um, might I, uh, I'll, I add, but, um, and with um, me feeling emotions so intensely, when I feel joy, it's, it's such, it's so euphoric, and it's such an amazing bliss, and sometimes I get scared of the next time my mood's going to go down, or next time I'm going to be upset about something, but, um, during this, everything that's happened to me with my past trauma, with my relationship trauma, and the year, the heart, the really difficult year it took me to get to where I am now, I can say that I'm in a lot, in a lot happier place than I was before. And I strive to keep finding that happier place, like further and further and further, further along the way. And I just want to say that it is possible. It is possible to be truly happy with your life, even after going through the absolute worst. 
and being and hitting rock bottom, there's always a chance for you to get out of there and to move on and improve yourself and improve your life to the point where you're content and where things are better and where you feel free and you're unbinded from the chains that were, chains that were holding you down for so long. Marie, I'm so grateful for your genuine message. It's so beautiful. Thank you for sharing that. It's so empowering. And I want to take a minute to celebrate you for the continuing perseverance that you have to create the life that you want. Because I know from experience that when you are in that dark place and when it feels like the world is collapsing around you, it's for me, it was a fight inch by inch to be able to get out of that and be able to be somebody who's happy in my life with myself with who I am with what I'm creating so thank you so much for taking the time today to share that with us and Marie where can people connect with you um quite a few places actually so um on Instagram my poetry account is mari.morales.author so m-a-r-i dot m-o-r-l-e-s dot a-u t-h-o-r um i started doing music a little bit recently too um and that's on at cactus cooler official uh all one word and then um if people that are listening to this are into funny videos and stuff they can also follow my tiktok at cactus cooler official well thank you so much thank you so much for coming today yeah of course it was great to be here It can be challenging to heal from trauma, and that's an understatement. We carry trauma around in our bodies and in our minds. A good question to ask yourself is where do you feel it? trauma in your body? Our bodies and minds have memories. What are we doing to help them heal? For example, you may have low energy lately. That is to be expected with the current pandemic. Our body and minds are responding to a worldwide shift in our cultural practices. We face the fear of spreading disease and death worldwide. There's also the drop in the economy and the financial difficulties. There's also the fear of coming too close in contact with another human being. It allows us to be more guarded. Our bodies are tense. They're on guard. So be kind with yourself, with your body, and with your mind. And listen to what your body and mind are saying and where they are speaking from. If you find yourself healing from a relationship, ask yourself, what boundaries do I need to set in place to give myself a space to heal? Marie talked about how she and her ex-boyfriend held on to each other for a year after the relationship ended. I've been there too. The healthy thing to do when a relationship ends is to move on and let each other go instead of holding on to each other and preventing a future. What I want to leave you with today is that whatever your journey, whatever your road is right now, you are empowered to create the life, the love, the reality, and the world that you want. I believe in you. Oh, thank you.